From Wall Street to Main Street, there are stories to be told. Where knowledge learned on the street is as powerful as knowledge learned on the streets. This is the Financial Recon Podcast, where we introduce you to the people, places, and things that have helped shape our environment and will help shape yours. Welcome to the conversation. Hey, this is Mike uh, with the uh, Financial Recon Podcast, and uh, today I have the pleasure of having Mr. Jason Dinesen, the uh, chief number cruncher at Dinesen Tax uh, Associates out in Indianola, Iowa. Welcome, Jason. Uh, thanks, Mike. It's good to be here. Um, I'm glad you could join us. You know, at the beginning of this year, everybody's got... Uh, well, questions around, you know, um, what what happened in 2020, what's coming down the road, um, and right now, what would you say, um, kind of rear view, mirror, forward view, what, is, what are you looking at um, from, I guess, uh, what changed and what is coming down the, the pipe? Well, I think the biggest thing is the stimulus payments that people, by now as people are listening to this, if they were going to get their stimulus payment, they probably already gotten it. Um, So back in March, there was the first round of stimulus, which was $1,200 per primary taxpayer. So each adult on the tax return. So a married couple would get $2,400 and then $500 for your kids. Then in December, the second round of stimulus was just $600 per person, um, including your you and your kids. It's all $600. And on that second round of stimulus, the law actually says if you didn't get an advance payment of it from the IRS by the 15th of January, and it's probably past the 15th by the time people are listening to this, You're not going to get an advance payment, and instead you claim it on your tax return. And I think the other thing everyone is going to have to deal with, even if you got your stimulus up front or the advance payment, you have to do a reconciliation on your tax return. And we won't get into that too much here because that would make people's (laughs) eyes glaze over. But there's a worksheet you have to fill out to compare what you should have gotten based on your 2020 income versus what you actually received from the IRS. And the good thing on that is if you got too much advance payment, you don't have to pay it back. That's good. And then if you didn't get enough advance payment, you can actually claim it as a tax credit on your tax return to claim whatever extra you're owed. So is this where this reconciliation, is that with tied to that letter that we got uh, from that said it was an economic stimulus. So what happens like if you don't have that letter? Is it, do you really see the IRS like make, well, I I should say that cautiously. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But but, I can't imagine most Americans kept that letter. I doubt that they did. And you're actually going to be getting another letter. So there'll be two of them. One for the first payment and a different letter for the second payment. So if you don't have one or both of those letters, the IRS, if you look in the instructions to the tax return, to the worksheet, 
It says at the uh-huh. top to look at the form, or you can go pull up your account on the IRS website, and it will tell you what your advance payment was. So there is a backup method if people don't have that. My experience with people trying to pull their account on the IRS website has not been particularly good. So I don't know how that's going to work for folks, but that's what the IRS says is you have that as a backup to pull your account information. Yeah, I uh, we'll just say it's like with the the holiday cards this year it got lost in the mail, right? It's gonna take <laughs> right two three weeks to get the so so in June you're gonna be getting your letter for right. Uh, um, but so that's we get the stimulus payments, um, obviously, and you know it's funny you should say that just this morning as we're recording this, you know. Um, Marco Rubio sent a letter to Chuck Schumer saying, let's get this, let's make this priority one to bump that to $2,000. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure this is going to be a evolving topic over the next 30 days. Right. There could be more coming. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. More coming. Um, But the one thing that was big out of those, out of that recent bill that, um, I found really interesting was the new version of PPP. And um, I don't, I know there's a lot of, there was a lot of confusion around the deductibility of expenses and whether they were going to allow it or not. Could you kind of talk to like what they ultimately decided for businesses that took the first PPP? Yeah, so PPP is the Paycheck Protection Program for businesses. It's a forgivable loan program, and it was created in the CARES Act, which was the first round of COVID stimulus back in March of 2020. Mm -hmm. And so businesses got their PPP money, and they had to spend it on mostly on payroll. There were some other things they could spend it on. And if they spent it on qualifying expenses, then the loan was forgiven. And the CARES Act said... So if we back up a little bit, when you have a loan and your loan gets forgiven, usually the IRS would say, and actually it's tax law that says this, the forgiven debt is generally taxable income to you. And there there are some ways to get out of that. Like if it's your home and it's foreclosed on, there's ways to get out of that. But the general rule is if debt is forgiven, you have to claim the the forgiveness as taxable income. So the CARES Act said, we are specifically making it so businesses do not have to report this as income when they get their PPP forgiven. So that's all well and good. But then the IRS came along in April and said, well, if the debt that's forgiven is not taxable, then you can't claim expenses expense deductions for things that you pay with that money. And everybody said that that was wrong. Congress said it was wrong and against their intentions. However, the CARES Act didn't address deductions. And so all we had to go on was what the IRS said. And Congress actually introduced a bill in the beginning of May that would have fixed this right away, but nothing ever happened with it. And so the year oh, you're saying Congress didn't move <laughs> correct. They did not. I know that's a shock. Um, and so finally, then at the end of December 
in this stimulus bill, they included language that just said businesses can take tax deductions. So the bottom line for businesses is you get your PPP money, you've probably already gotten it and spent it a long time ago on the first round. So your forgiveness is not taxable and the expenses that you paid, you can claim tax deductions for. So actual filing of tax returns should not be too complicated then. It was going to be very complicated and potentially unhappy for a lot of people under the IRS's uh, thought process. But luckily, the language in this stimulus bill just allows you to take deductions for these expenses. And so it's not an issue anymore. So let's take so that's that was the first version of PPP. Mm-hmm. So then this recent bill created version two, which, as we're speaking, is just going live. Correct. And I know that there were some changes in the methodology of calculating those dollars for the uh, second PPP. Uh, do you have any uh, uh insight onto those changes. Yep. So for the second time around here with the reopening of PPP, it depends on if you've already received PPP money before or if this would be your first time getting PPP money. If you've already received PPP money in the past, which I think in a lot of cases, most businesses probably already have, at least in my practice, I mean, everybody ran out and got their PPP in April of 2020, for the most part. Right. Um, So for a lot of people, it's going to be their second PPP loan. To qualify, you have to show that your gross income, gross income means money coming in the door before you pay expenses, is down in 2020 by at least 25% compared to 2019. And you can show that either by looking at each quarter in 2020 and comparing it to the same quarter in 2019, or uh, the Small Business Administration just came out with a new rule that says you can use the calendar year instead, so you can look at your full year of 2020. So as as long as your income was down by 25% or more, you would qualify for the second round. And, and so that, that's got to open, I mean, that the floodgates for uh, businesses. And one thing I, I just want to stress just on that 25% decline, that also is applicable to nonprofits. Correct. They can um, go and apply for this money. So if you're involved with a nonprofit sitting on a board or, um, you know, in charge, this definitely is something you should contact your banker. No, that's good. So it's not just corporations, it's nonprofits, churches, sole proprietors, farmers, um, partnerships, any business or nonprofit can apply for PPP too. Now, if you didn't get a PPP loan originally, you can apply also for a first-time loan. And for a first-time loan, you actually don't have to show a 25% decline in income. You can use the original CARES Act rules for qualifying for a PPP loan, which is just that the economic uncertainty makes the loan a necessity. That's only if you've never gotten a loan before. 
And under PPP two, does are the terms still the same? If you don't qualify for forgiveness, it defaults to a twenty four year, uh, twenty four month, one uh, percent loan. Actually, they change it to sixty months now, so five years instead oh. of two years for the for PPP two loans. Interesting, very very interesting. I mean, as a, I mean, just in talking, you know, with nonprofits around the country, I mean, they're hurting. I and I only, I, I mean, businesses too. Obviously, it's just, you know, this is like the a great opportunity to get back in there. So hopefully folks take advantage of that. When, you know, nonprofits are hurt too. And I think this is probably a good segue into another individual thing to talk about. And that's charitable Mm -hmm. contribution deductions. You know, the tax cut and jobs act changed the standard deduction and essentially doubled it for most people, which meant that more people were not going to be able to claim charitable contributions as a deduction anymore because their standard deduction was so high and um, nonprofits were hurting a little bit, maybe not at, you know as much as COVID related harm. But I think a lot of people said, well, I don't need the deduction, so I'll reduce my charitable giving now. So I think nonprofits were probably hurting a little just from that change in the standard deduction. Now you throw the pandemic on top of that and right. yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, charitable organizations are really hurting right now. And, and it's, and you know, it's hard because uh, a lot of the nonprofits, like the human service, like the food banks. And I mean, I, and with good reason, people are donating like crazy to them. And some of these other nonprofits are kind of getting left behind. And yeah. that's where, I mean, not right or it just, it's uh, a sign of the times and people see this, you know, people standing in food lines. So mm-hmm. it's easy to uh, uh, correlate that, that giving, but um, these, this deduction, I, I was another carrot. And did, didn't they change it again? They like, did. I, I know it started off with like one amount and then now it's another or something. Right. Like so for people who Typical don't Congress, <laughs> exactly right. So for people who don't claim itemized deductions, so you take the standard deduction on your tax return and that applies to, I, I don't know what the percentage is now, but I guess in my experience, 85% of people who used to claim itemized deductions now claim the standard deduction. I don't know if that percentage holds like across the country, but it's a lot of people. And so a lot of people aren't claiming their charitable contributions anymore. So the CARES Act created a provision that said you can claim up to $300 as a deduction for cash contributions made in 2020. $300 for 2020 is a per tax return amount. So it's not 600 if you're married and 300 if you're single, it's just $300. Then the most recent stimulus bill made changes to that for 2021. It's $600 for a married couple and $300 for all other filing statuses, but only for 2021 tax return. So that's cash contributions only. It's not taking like your clothes to goodwill or something like that. It's cash contributions for people who don't itemize deductions. You can claim those. 
uh, just as a, an additional adjustment to income on your tax return. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, obviously a great way, if you can, to help help uh, help some folks out. One thing that I did notice out of the um, uh, changes in the uh, different law or with the different laws in the last, you know, year or so um, that I found really fascinating is th- this uh, opportunity. It's kind of it kind of we're rolling back into the business in a way um, where if I'm an employee, I can have my employer make a payment to my student loan. Correct. And it doesn't. It doesn't count as income. Is that right? Correct. The employee, and it's a deduction for the business? Yeah. And so that was created in the CARES Act, and it actually, in the latest stimulus, got extended through 2025. So businesses can continue to do that for the next uh, four four or five years, Um, five years, I guess. They can continue to do that. And it's uh, $5,250 is what an employer could put in or pay as just like an employee benefit. Wow. Like, I mean, that, that is that I think if you're, you know, going in uh, job hunting or you're negotiating compensation, knowing that little tidbit is a nice little, uh, exactly. uh, A nice little pop. uh, It is. Yeah. Yeah. Student loans. Well, we we won't get into it today, I guess. But, you know, that's something (laughs) that we could talk about at length is the uh, the crisis, I guess, with student loans in this country and uh, people trying to stay afloat making their loan payments. Well, I have a funny feeling we're going to have to have you back in 30 days (laughs) because Lord knows that, you know, everything we talk about today in 30 days, there's going to be even more. It's going to change again. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, and and I think, I think like the student loans, to your point, it's something that, you know, I've even told clients, it's like, don't do anything like freeze for right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I appreciate your offense being on the offense, but we don't know What's no, going to happen? <laughs> I mean, you hear ten thousand, you hear fifty thousand, it could be zero. Right. Let's just. I mean, what's thirty days at this point? Or you know, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a bigger, comprehensive package to address things like infrastructure, um, some of the tax cuts of the last four years. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot of haggling going on in the next couple weeks to months. So, exactly. um, right. And I, I we'll, tell people, you know, see. exactly the change in administration, I guess I wouldn't make any rash decisions right now because nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, there's quote proposals that have been made, which a lot of times are just things that someone right. said on the campaign trail. And so right. what's really going to happen? I guess I wouldn't freak out too much uh, one way or another on what's going to happen until we get actual proposals and there's actually things to talk about that are working their way through Congress. Um, you know, I present, I'm a presenter too, in addition to being an accountant, I present continuing ed courses to accountants. And I've had mm-hmm. places to say, well, can you do a presentation on Joe Biden's tax policy? 
And I'm like, <laughs> you know, no, I really can't because what are we going to guess? <laughs> right. It, it's all just a guess. And it's all just what well, he said this one time in you know, April of 2020 as a little right. comment. Right. And that's all you have to go with. And so I really think people should just wait and see what is really put out as a true proposal to Congress that's actually being debated and worked on in Congress before doing anything rash. Well, yeah, because last March, I mean, in the heat of everything, I mean, Maxine Waters had that proposal. It was like three to five pages and it was like everything you could think of. And I mean, if we had gone through that, you know, we'd be having a a very different conversation today because it would have addressed a lot of the, the negotiating points that the parties are going to, I'm sure are going to be battling it out. Mm -hmm. So, so one one of the things is, you know, obviously 2020 led to some 2020 started off. No one really got that idea. It was going to be what we encountered. And um, there were those changes and now, you know, we're rolling in 21, but do, do me a favor for people out there. Peel back the curtain a little bit. What, like, how is it? How is it we can help, like folks like yourself who are, you know, doing doing the taxes, helping me and, um, you know, my clients and so forth, and um, just just make things a little easier because we know I know twenty twenty. I could I could tell folks, you know, you all worked like usually get a little bit of a lull and last year was just you know <laughs> right. they kept changing the changing the goalposts or you know mm-hmm. uh so often that it was like it just non-stop and i know a lot of y'all were burned out and <laughs> right so forth so so how can we try to make 2021 a little easier for Jason and your fellow tax preparers. (laughs) I think there's a few things I would say on that. I mean, if you're you're just an ordinary person with your W-2s and such, I mean, I think just being kind to your tax preparer would be just the simplest thing you could do. (laughs) You know, on your on a tax return like that, there's not a whole lot of complications or a way to be totally disorganized. And so I think the best thing is to Mm -hmm. just understand the world that you're accountant lives in where things change pretty much every day. Um, One week back in September, I think it was just for fun. I kept track of all the new things that I learned that week. And I came up with in five work days, 14 things that I didn't know before that week. Now that's not all just things that changed. It's just, you know, you do things and you encounter new situations and you learn new things. And so that's the world that we live in is every day we learn something new. And so just understand that. Now, if you're a business or you have a more complicated situation where you have lots of records and there's bookkeeping involved and files and stuff, be as organized as you can be. I know it's not easy. You don't have to be perfect. I don't expect perfection. But, you know, I have people who have handed me you know, you hear that about shoebox clients. They give you the shoebox of receipts. I've never had a shoebox, but I've had people give me grocery sacks, like plastic grocery bags 
of just you stuff. Know, unfortunately, one of my clients, she passed away this past year. And when we first started working together, that was exactly how she always joked about it. She's like, I used, I brought in Mike, I brought him grocery bags and I just dumped them on him. <laughs> Man, we had a lot of recycling that. <laughs> I, yeah, I bet. I bet. And, you know, at one time in my career, I had, I suppose, more time or more inclination to pick through people's stuff and figure out this goes here, this goes there. And um, I think most accountants who have a thriving practice or just a regular practice, we don't have time to deal with your junk. So get things together and be an organized client when you come to your accountant or your tax professional it doesn't have to be perfect but you know don't dump a mess in the lap of your accountant and just be like well he'll figure it out um because that's putting a lot on your tax professional at the worst possible time when we probably don't have time to deal with your mess and it's also risky because you know, I don't work in your business or your rental property or whatever it is that I'm picking through. So I don't always know what these different things even are. And yet I'm tasked right. with trying to classify these things. And so it puts risk on me. It's risky for you. So just try to get your act together uh, before you go see your tax professional. I think that's the biggest thing for anyone with a business or rental property, lots of investment accounts, anything like that, just have everything organized in a coherent manner before you come to your tax professional. And, and is it is it helpful from your perspective for folks like on my end who are handling people's investments and doing their financial planning, is it helpful for us to like for the clients to reach out to their advisor and say, Hey, I want you to send all those straight to my tax preparer. So that way, you know, you know, you're getting all the documents and you can, yes. Yes. You know, I think have that. people should just do that. If you have an investment advisor, just sign whatever form you need to sign. There's usually an authorization or release right. that you have to sign and just get that on file because it's a big problem where people forget about their investment accounts. And I know that seems hard to believe, but it happens all the time. And, you know, the those forms go to the IRS. So the IRS right. knows if you should have reported something on your return and you'll get a letter from them. And the way the IRS operates, <laughs> it's probably 12 to 18 months down the road you'll get a letter from the IRS saying you didn't I'm include. Gonna, I'm going to amend that. If we go down to Kansas City, I bet you they'd say it's probably down like three years down the road. Because <laughs> of, you know, all the mail that they're sitting on. Right. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean like to, to, it, to your point, like, and that's thing. where I want to just echo is like, and you know, I, I, I think folks need to be cognizant like in their January statements from whatever company, pay attention to the insert that tells you your tax dates. Yes. Like January 30th is now over, what was that, like a decade ago? Right. Like people <laughs> don't have to give it to you. The, I, the IRS has made it to the point that they basically told all the investment companies they're tired of the amended return or amended forms. We want you to get it more right on the first try. 
So take extra time to do it. And so, you know, if you don't have your tax docs on February 1st, that's not uncommon. And February 15th is the new January 30th. It's been that way for like a, a decade. And sometimes people lose sight of that. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. easy because they were trained for so long, but it's like, come on, you know, you gotta, you gotta uh, adapt that thinking because now February 15th, March 15th. And that's, and that's why I say the quicker, if I could pull it and get it to you, I would think it makes it a little more um, expeditious if you could just get the get you the right stuff the first time, hopefully, and absolutely, you know, you're and not going people, back. Right, and then I get everything, and not just here's this investment account that I think I have, but oh, I forgot that I have <laughs> this over here, or or you know, I suppose as an investment advisor, um, it would be good to just remind people that if you have stuff at multiple places. And you're working mm-hmm. with someone like Mike, maybe consolidate everything with Mike, because another problem I have is people will give me their investment stuff, but then they'll get that letter from the IRS that they forgot something and they'll say, oh, I forgot that I have this brokerage account over here and I sold a little stock in it or, you know, I'm doing my own thing online on eBay. Or I forgot an, or I, or I forgot an IRA that I didn't take right. RMD. Right. right. Yes. That's another issue. <laughs> so if you could consolidate things with your investment advisor, uh, that's probably the best thing to do. Get all those random E-Trade accounts and stuff consolidated in one spot so you don't have to try to remember all the different places that are going to send you forms. And a lot of places don't actually send you. You have to go log in somewhere and pull the 1099s. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just want to say thanks a lot for taking the time to uh, talk over all these changes and what's coming. And I'm sure, like I said, we're going to have to reconvene here shortly for uh, amendment to 2.0 here or something. Um, but tell everybody how they can uh, find you on the interweb and all that stuff. So I think the best place to start would be my website, which is dinosontax.com. Make sure you spell the last name correctly. It's one of those old Danish names, so you have to get the E's and S's and O's just right. There's no O in that name. It's D-I-N-E-S-E-N and then T-A-X.com. And I'm also on Twitter, not as active as I should be, but I do throw stuff out there every now and then. It's, it's just at Dinosontax, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm on Facebook too, but I don't, I don't ever do anything on <laughs> Facebook. So probably, you know, don't send me a friend request on Facebook. Cause I probably won't see it for a number of weeks till I log in for the 30 seconds or so once in a while to just look at things and then log out again. So Twitter and LinkedIn professionally are the places where I'm on and um, I don't do as much as I should, but I do throw things out there every now and then, and I'm always happy to connect with people. Well, I'll I'll just say Jason is a great follow. He's always got some great information. He's been a great asset to uh, to myself and to uh, my clients out there. So um, if you're looking for a great virtual tax person, he's the man. And if you're in the Indianola Metroplex. Uh, <laughs> right. Feel free to, uh, to look them up. 
But uh, thanks a lot, Jason. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, let's uh, we'll, we'll see where uh, taxes are in probably 30 days or so. All right. That sounds good. I look forward to it. Thanks for joining us today. To continue the conversation, visit us at our blog, financial-recon.com. Appearances do not constitute endorsement of flagship wealth management group, LPL Financial, or any other entity discussed in this program. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Jason Dinison and Dinison Tax and Accounting are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial and Flagship Wealth Management Group.